Thursday, March 27, 1902, New York City. Francesca Cahill may have been born into society. In fact, she was an heiress of a very marriageable age. But recently, she had become the city's most famous and infamous amateur sleuth. Having spent her entire life flouting both the spoken and unspoken rules of convention, being well-read, highly educated, and an active reformer, she was already considered both unmarriageable and an eccentric. Her behavior of the past three months had not aided her flailing personal reputation, for she had helped the police commissioner, Rick Bragg, solve several ghastly crimes, even making the headlines of some of the city's most reputable dailies. All this while further scandalizing a good portion of society, not to mention her own family. Her reputation was currently in shreds. Not that she cared. However, it might very well take a stunning turn for the better. For Francesca had somehow become secretly engaged to one of the city's wealthiest and most notorious bachelors, Calder Hart. She still did not know whether to regret it or not. But if their engagement survived all that she had thus far done, and she winced thinking about it, a public announcement would take her from ugly duckling to swan. But she seriously doubted Hart would even speak with her now, much less continue their engagement. There was relief, and there was regret. Francesca Cahill, you've disappeared for an entire month, and I am dying to know why, the former Connie Cahill, now Lady Montrose, cried. She had just barged into Francesca's bedroom. Francesca cringed, but only inwardly as she faced her always fashionably and terribly elegant older sister. It was ironic that much of the city thought of her as a hero, she mused. It wasn't true. She was, in fact, a coward. Never mind the many dangerous and murdering hooks and crooks she had single-handedly faced and apprehended. She was a coward. Because only a coward ran away from the man she was supposed to marry. She was a coward when it came to the darkly disturbing Calder heart. Connie faced her after closing the door to Francesca's beautifully appointed bedroom, a room she had had no say in decorating, as the decor had been chosen by her mother, Julia, and sister. Francesca hadn't cared then, just as she did not care now. Decor and fashion, shopping and teas, was hardly important to her. She forced a smile and hurried forward, clad only in her corset and drawers, and embraced her sister. It's so nice to see you, too she whispered, but she meant it. Connie was not just her sister. She was also her very best friend. Do not think to dissemble with me, Connie said, her hands on her slim hips. She was clad in a gorgeous dark blue evening gown, with sapphires around her throat and wrists, atop the white sateen gloves that ended at her elbows. I know why you disappeared, her blue eyes flashed. Francesca tensed. Connie could not know. Before leaving town to visit an old and ailing and very fictitious school chum, she had left Hart a brief note, one that hardly explained anything, but did request that their engagement remain a private affair until she returned to New York City. Wisely, Francesca hadn't left a forwarding address. She had left the city to think about her life and her impulsive decision to accept Hart's proposal. What is it that you think you know? Connie sighed then. There is no Elizabeth Jane Seymour, Fran. I would recall a best friend by that name. You chose to leave the city because you could no longer handle the little predicament you have found yourself to be in.